Empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another human being. But what role does empathy play within the world of financial services, especially when it comes to establishing and expanding a heart of growth within your financial brand, at your bank, at your credit, at your fintech? Well, let's find out together on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Greetings and hello, my name is James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Heart of Growth series brought to you by Nimbus. And joining me for today's conversation is Ashley Jenkins, SVP of Development Services at Nimbus. And today, Ashley and I are going to dive into the role of empathy, culture, and, and even some good old humor. What, what do these play when it comes to establishing and expanding a heart of growth at your bank, at your credit union, or at your fintech? Welcome to the show, Ashley. It is good to share time with you today. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, James Robert. Absolutely. Before we get into talking about these touchy-filly terms of culture and empathy and courage, which are really at the heart of growth, what's been going well for you? What's what's something good in your world, personally or professionally? It's your, your pick to get started on a positive note. Well, I have to share this because it is December almost, right? Two days. And I am headed off to Cabo with my husband for a long weekend to celebrate one of my very best friends getting married. Um, so we are thrilled to be um, celebrating her, part of her journey, and getting a, a little bit more into the warmth um, from Salt Lake City, Utah. So it'll be great. There you go. Uh, we were down in not Cabo, but Cancun with the kids over uh, over the summer and made a lot of, of positive memories with them. So I will take the beach and the yes. heat for sure. And I, I, I want to expand upon this thought, this idea of, of warmth, um, because warmth is a, a key part of culture. And culture is uh, key to establishing and even more so expanding the heart of growth within an organization. And I actually had to define this one time working with an organization um, because they were struggling. And so I wrote, culture is the result of a positive or negative alignment around a shared purpose, further unified by common values that spreads throughout all departments of the organization. That's my take. What's your take on this? What's, how would you define culture from your point of view? Uh, it, it really is simple to me. It's safety. That's mm. the ideal culture to me. So if I can, if I can answer this question easily, it's do people feel safe in their differences and their diversity? Do people feel safe in sharing their ideas? Um, do they feel safe in sharing if they've made a mistake, right? Like, can they come to you and say, Hey, I really screwed up on this, but I feel safe that you're going to, you know, help me get through it and, and give me the, the tools and the communication I need to get um, to get this fixed. Uh, did they feel like they have a voice without being scared so they can come to you really about anything if they are struggling mentally? Right. Or maybe they're going through a divorce or something like that. Can they say to you, hey, I need to take a mental health day. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling and, you know, I just need your support on this. So really the culture to me is, can I feel safe? Can I create a place of safety? Um, if I can say yes to that, then we're definitely um, at a good start. 
And then I also think it's the little things, right? Uh, remembering someone's birthday, remembering, you know, that they have an anniversary coming up. If they talk to you about a personal situation and you follow up with them to check in and see if they're okay, um, it really is that sense of safety. When you talk about warmth, it's it's safe, feels warm, yeah. right? And then it also, you know, just it, it, it's, it really is the little things that you pick up on and that you celebrate and that you support within your organization. What's your take on this? And I, I love your definition because it's way more simple than mine. Um, when you can define something in one word, safety, um, why might sometimes an organization have a culture where individuals, teams even, they don't feel safe. What what happens in that situation? How do we even get to that point to begin yeah, with? Yeah, it definitely comes from above, okay. right? If, if the, the leadership is projecting this mm. level of safety, you know, if they see them interacting with other people, um, it also comes from pressure, right? If there's, there's people are under stress, they have deadlines, they have revenue targets, all of these things that they have to meet, there becomes this sense of aggression and stress. And um, I'm going to, you know, be vulnerable here. I'm, I'm definitely a highly sensitive person. And, and with that comes this sense of exceptional sensory and, and feeling energy. And I can sense that energy when my leaders are stressed, my team is stressed. And so um, I think it, it mainly is if there's a lack of safety, it's this pressure from the organization. It comes from this top down and it projects this negative culture to the rest of our team. It's interesting. You're talking energy here. I recently had David Dibbles uh, on the podcast who wrote a book about the four new agreements for the workplace. And we were talking about this perspective of energy. And even in my definition, you know, I talked about culture being the result of positive and, and, or negative alignment. Maybe we reframe that culture is the result of positive or negative energy, which comes back to this idea of, of safety and security. And this gets into a deeper perspective um, around empathy. Uh, I, I recently did a, a keynote on the subject of quote unquote digital empathy uh, at an industry event. And, and I say empathy and culture, particularly through your definition, being safety, they go hand in hand together. What opportunities do you see through your lens uh, of, of where empathy can be integrated into two sides of the coin. First and foremost, internal employee experiences. Maybe we go a little bit deeper into that. But then I also want to go to the external side, empathy from the account holder. But I, I think empathy has to begin within, if we're talking about culture and safety, where are the opportunities? So for example, someone who's listening, they might identify with, I don't feel exactly safe and secure with where I'm at right now. Okay. Um, what do we do to transform that? Particularly, like you said, it starts at the leadership level, but how can we transform th that negative perspective into a more positive and hopeful one? Yeah, I, I love that. And going back to what you mentioned about um, your podcast where you talked about the new agreements, and I remember you and Aubrey specifically talking about this, I love you, 
right? Like, why can't we say, I love you? We know we spend enough time with, with our peers and I take it even a step further. Um, and when you talk about empathy internally, but also with our customers, like, why can't we love our customers? Why can't we create this personal connection? I have found that success, um, whether it, it come to my customer relationships or my peers or my, my team, it's this, they feel safe they feel loved. You know, if I, if, if one of my employees was going into surgery today and I, I literally said, I love you. I hope everything goes okay. Right. Like where did the stigma come from that, you know, we can't say this, how can we really change it from this? Like I, I, from a human connection to this personal connection and, and allow things to, um, develop into a, a, a more beautiful experience, right? And and I, I always look at, I want to be the person from a leader, from a mentor, from a consultant, whoever it may be, I want to be that person that I needed when I was going through that, right? Yeah. So if if I'm dealing with a customer, what did I need when I was on the other table? You know, I need them to listen. I need them to communicate with me. I need them to show compassion when we're talking about challenges or, um, you know, our goals not being met together. Uh, we have to come together, be empathetic um, with with everyone in our lives and show that concern and love. Uh, it's it's not, um, it, I, I'm the type of person that will understand and know my my customers, kids know they're like, they're going on vacation. How was your vacation? I hope you had a great time. Happy Thanksgiving, happy Father's Day, whatever we have to do to create those connections. And then I think it creates the empathy as well as a better customer experience. Oh, it's, it's there's a lot. It, it, there's a lot in, and I appreciate it because you're tapping into something that I wrote about in banking on digital growth. And it's, mm -hmm something that I'm finding myself coming back to through the education and coaching that I'm doing with financial brands. And it's the pyramid of human relationships, the pyramid of human relationships. And when I work with leaders, even I was working, I was at my kid's school recently doing an entrepreneurship day or career day. And I was talking about entrepreneurship and talking about public speaking. And I asked the kids, just like I ask leaders, I say, well, what's at the foundation of every positive human relationship? And 90, 95% of people that I've asked this question to will say, it's trust. And I go, you're on the right path, but it's not trust. We need something before we can have trust. And they say, well, what is that? I say, it's respect. And respect is focusing on the other if you will, respecting the other for who the other is, meeting them where they're at. In the case of the eighth graders um, at this career day, I shook everyone's hand when they walked through the door. I looked them in the eye and I asked them what their name was and I introduced myself and then I called them by name. And we use that as an example. That's a, that's a handshake. That's, we're, we're recognizing the other person for the other person's humanity. Well, then we go to the pinnacle of the pyramid of human relationship. And what do we have? To your point, it's love. Love mm -hmm. is commitment. Love, and I love the way that this is defined by Thomas Aquinas, it's willing the good of another human being. So I can tell you, I can tell anyone, I can tell the listener, I love you because I will the good. I want the good for you. 
I want the best for you. And I mean that from my sincerity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, how do we get from respect to that place of, of love? That's where trust comes back into play. Mm-hmm. Trust, security built upon two things. It's what you say. It's what you do. It's words and actions. Now I'm curious though, since we're talking about empathy, love, the touchy soft subjects here, why might empathy and love, and we're talking about the heart of growth even, why might these subjects be challenging to talk about within the vertical of financial services? Why do we shy away from it sometimes? I think it's it's something we're taught, right? I mean, from a, a young age and especially with you know, the age of like us in, in the workforce and HR rules and stuff like that, you know, we don't want to blur those lines of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And, and, and that's definitely not what I'm saying, right? It, it shouldn't, that love shouldn't pass over to this uncomfortable situation. You know, I, in my interactions and engagements, I'm more of that um, emotional, thoughtful person. Like I want to, in order for me to understand and have that re- respect and trust, yeah. I have to understand and dive in a little bit. And I had a situation where I was doing that and somebody came to me and said, Hey, I don't feel comfortable with this. I feel more like we need to be on this, you know, um, peer to peer, like very business relationship. And, and so it doesn't always work for everyone to take that approach um, so it, it it is challenging, right? And it's not something that I, I think can be taught. It's something that has to be uh, viewed and we have to, as leaders, um, use that with our employees and they watch and they learn and they listen. It's not like we can say, hey, James Robert, I need you to be more empathetic. They're going to be like, what does that mean? Right. Like That's not inherently natural to me. So we have to set a good example of it in our organizations. Yeah. If we're having challenges with, our peers, right? There's, there's a, you come into a relationship or a a meeting and you know that there's going to be tension. The meeting topic is already stressing you out before you even clicked on the zoom link. If you can enter that and ask, Hey, you know, how's your daughter doing? Or how was this situation? I saw you post about this, you know, and just create that human connection that in immediately creates this like empathy. And I think puts people in this like okay, my guard is down and I can be more open with you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this, once again, it, it comes down to if, if you, it's in a place and someone feels a bit uncomfortable with that type of, of thinking. And once again, I want to redefine my perspective here around love is to will the good of another person. Well, if they're feeling a bit uncomfortable with whatever the situation is, I have to come back to respect. I have to meet them where they're at, but you bring up a really great point about, you know, starting a meeting or starting a challenging conversation, something that we might feel uncomfortable about. Um, This is the whole reason that we have the what's going well method. Um, We start off and just like this podcast, tell me something good, tell me something positive, because I know I can positively influence the discussion. Um, And I've had leaders that come to me and like, my team, the morale, it's down. We're struggling. I said, well, have you asked them what's been going well? Or do you just kind of get in and get down to business? And like, uh, no, we just get down to business. And I was like, well, does it start off on a positive or negative foot? Well, it's negative. Okay. Well, let's take a step back. Um, what if we reframed it, ask what's been going well, we start off on a positive note, 
but I know you do something very unique as well um, to reframe maybe some challenging situations and, and it's humor. Um, humor can be the anecdote to some uncomfortable situations and some uncomfortable conversations. So how can you humor me with humor in this conversation? Um, so do you actually want to hear something amazing about my grandmother? Of course. Okay. So she lived to be 98 and never used glasses. Wow. Yeah. She always drank straight from the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is not set up. I'm, I'm loving where this, I love, I love little punny jokes like this. This, they, they're just fun. Um, even to the point to where for father's day, my kids made me a, um, a dad's joke book. They went on the internet, found all these dad jokes and printed them out and put them in a book. And I have that. It's on my shelf. I, I love stuff. Like where, where did you, where did you pull this from? This, this idea of humor. Um, um, oh, the, that joke actually came from my husband. So I'm going to give him credit for that one. He told me that. And I was like cracking up. Right. Uh, you just think about this old granny that that's drinking, you know, a whiskey straight from the bottle. So yeah. I'll give, him, I'll give him the credit there, but I, I, I get uncomfortable when I'm in tense situations. I I'm, I'm non-confrontational. It's, it's something that I hate. So I've had to build these kind of walls and defense mm. of that. And if I can bring either empathy, if I can bring uh, something funny to the table, something that connects us, it helps me break down those barriers um, of, of something that I'm anticipating being confrontational or maybe negative. So if I go to present, right, and I'm presenting in front of my entire company, a joke helps me kind of relax and go, okay, now, you know, that they're going to be more open to what I have to say and what, and, and hearing my perspective and my message. Well, it's important because, you know, the other day, um, I don't know if you, you saw this on the news, a police officer pulled over an elephant. Really? Yeah. And what did you know what the police officer asked the elephant? Don't. What's in the trunk? So there's one you can take. There's one you can take for. That's a good one. I have not heard that one. I made. So. It, I made that was one I made up. I I didn't hear it anywhere. It was just we were hanging around what? with. Yeah, we were hanging out with the kids, and wow. uh, I made it up. And the kids that wouldn't land. There's like 99 that you probably will never ever hear because they just don't land with the kids. That one landed with the kids. So I was like, okay, that's the safe one that I can take out into the public place and and share that. So take that forward. Yeah. Do good with it. And I think this idea of humor, it, it, there's probably no better time to inject humor, not only into this conversation, but into all of our lives. Because right now, when we look ahead towards the future, I get it. The future for many leaders right now, it feels a little confusing. It feels chaotic. Um, our future growth index, um, it's, 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 a, it's a diagnostic tool we use. It is continuing to find time and time again that the leadership and different teams within an organization, they're trending from being growth bound. They're trending more being 
stuck in the what we call the cave of confusion or even stuck in the gap where they're just constantly griping about problems. And we started using this diagnostic tool to really quantify an individual or a team's or an organization's perspective of how they view the future because how one views the future in the present moment is going to directly influence their thinking, their decisions, their actions going forward into the future. So if you look at the future as confusing, scary, complex, you're not going to make decisions where is if you looked at the future as hopeful, bigger, better, brighter. I'm, I want to get your take on this. Why, why should banks and credit unions double down on projects in tough times instead of pulling back? Why double down now? I don't think banks and credit unions have the opportunity to wait, right? We are already like most, I don't want to put everyone into this box, but so many are behind the times when it comes to technology and innovation and AI and cloud and all of that, you know, all of those words are are scary, but we don't have the opportunity to wait to do the things that we need to do. Um, and, you know, the, there needs to be budget for advancement in technology and, and getting some of these really cool, like we talked about, um, you know, these, these fintech companies that are coming up with some of the, the most creative ways to transform banking. Um, we don't have the opportunity to, to wait until we have um, the means or maybe potentially we don't see that we have the budget. Mm. Um, stopping is, I, I think, going to be a sure death. And it, you know, seems like something that would swallow you up and spit you out. Well, memento mori is a stoic Latin phrase that drives my, if not my day-to-day thinking, it definitely drives my week-to-week thinking. And memento mori is Latin for remember your death. Um, And I actually used this recently in uh, some group coaching with financial brand leaders and kind of like a a joke. This one, I'm not going to say it landed poorly, but it was definitely an uncomfortable conversation for many. Mm -hmm. And once again, I think when you start to lean into the uncomfortableness just a bit, it takes courage to do that, number one, but we have to remember growth is never found or experienced in the comfort zone. If, you, if we think back to as an individual, and if you're watching or listening, I want you to think back on all of your experiences throughout your life. When you experienced the greatest amount of growth, was it when you were in the comfort zone or did you have to exit the comfort zone climb up the mountain, go into the unknown just a little bit. And once again, I think about frozen was a frozen Mm -hmm. two on that one into the unknown, but it takes courage and it takes a commitment to take those steps. You've been a little bit vulnerable and I appreciate where we've gone with this conversation because this is the heart of growth right here. How, how do you deal with change? If you think about all of the changes that we've experienced, particularly since the start of this decade, you know, when, when we all went to sleep 
on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2019. We woke up January 1st, 2020. No one knew what we were going to experience two, two and a half, three months later, which is not in our perception, not in our field of vision. So we've all experienced a tremendous amount of change, exponential change since then. How do you deal with change to, to navigate some of this complexity? Complexity. Yeah, I don't want to say with with all that we've talked about is I'm good at it, but um, I definitely embrace it. So I'll give you a, a situation, right? So last year I was um, part of a riff at a fintech company that I was at, and you know I I completely lost myself. Like, what am I going to do? This was I felt like that was going to be my place for the rest of my career. I was not only you know professionally frustrated, I was internally, personally heartbroken by this, right? So I looked at myself and I said, I think this is an opportunity for me to get out of my comfort zone. I had always been part of an organization where I was, you know, maybe the number two person within, I I hadn't taken on that leadership direct position before. So that was my next target. And it's been a year now. And I can say I've been more uncomfortable in this last year than I, I ever have. I've shed more tears. I've, you know, been super frustrated. I have grown so much. And now a year looking back the, the, the last year, I am so thankful that things happened the way that they did because I'm not even the same person, you know, we're not the same people from COVID and in, in 2020 we've, I think we have a new appreciation for life and, and people and going to the movies and not wearing masks and, you know, all of that, those things that we had to go through the last year. I am so appreciative of every challenge that I've had, because like you said, we grow in that uncomfortable place in the, um, you know, sometimes those dark areas and those dark places. And, and I'd mentioned to you before that, have this tattoo that says, I loved you in my darkest, or I loved you at my darkest. And it, it's true. Like I, I love you and I can see the light and I can see the love in the world, even in this dark place that I might be in. Yeah. You know, you, I, I want to reference something that you said. I'm not perfect. I'm not good at dealing with change. I mean, I'm wrapping up a second book titled banking on change and I'm not perfect at it either. I just think it's a matter if, number one, if we know that change is the constant, Mm -hmm. and particularly now in the world that we're moving into with AI, for example, if I think back on all of the experience, and and the the only way we can can gain this is this perspective, if you will, which, which is the sum of context and framing. If we go back to 1994, 1994 was the year that the internet reached the mass consciousness of humanity. Flash forward to now where we're 2024, so 30 years. And we think about all of the exponential changes that we've experienced at a macro level that have impacted us on a micro level within the the context of financial services. Now, add AI on top of that and it becomes exponential. And we we can't perceive the future. We We can take the perception of the past and apply that towards the future. So I think... Knowing, too, that we don't have to change alone, we're not on this journey of transformation alone, is another key element to the heart of growth right here. Because 
we're doing this together mm-hmm. and and it gives us time to to pause and to reflect but we can also use some of the lessons of the past to apply them going forward into the future and and that's where I want to shift this I want to look ahead towards the future just a bit um knowing that we don't have to change and transform alone knowing that we can create culture that that makes people feel safe secure to share ideas thoughts feelings emotions and when we do that we're going to get even better together first and foremost internally as a team as an organization so that we can get even better together externally for account holders when we look at technology how what are the opportunities here for financial brand leaders to embrace out-of-the-box solutions that can also be paired with custom development? Because I know that's an area of focus in the work that you're doing over at Nimbus. Well, like you mentioned, I mean, we all know that, you know, we're, we're going towards a future of more AI, of more automation, of more cloud computing, all of those things. Like that's just inevitable, right? So I look at that that little gap and those other little pieces of what we can do. Um, and I think it comes in in our creativity. So what, you know, what do we hear on the news? What do we hear that that our communities and our people are worried about, right? It's climate change, it's sustainability, it's diversity, it's those kinds of things. So how are we incorporating solutions into our systems, into our technology? Um, I look at all of the amazing fintechs that are out there creating those um, opportunities and, and situations to help address these things, right? Like there's, you know, financial companies that focus specifically on how can we lend so that people can do sustainability home improvements. Um, how, like we, we talked about roll-ups for um, nonprofit organizations, you know, it, it's the concept of, you know, rolling my money into a savings account. How about I now roll my money into a nonprofit so that I can help with some of the, um, you know, natural disasters that we've experienced or, um, I've actually had so so at Nimbus, we are big in like niche banking, right? And and we have a contest. Um, we had a contest recently where people could give ideas of what we can do um, in the niche market. And I'm so proud because it was one of um, the individuals on my team. One of my leaders came up with an amazing idea of how can we we um, bank the underbanked in um, immigration, right? You know, we have these immigrants that come to our country. They have no means of building credit, getting loans, you know, and and they want to come here, work, contribute, but we're not allowing them to be successful in that. So I look beyond just AI automation, those kinds of things. I'm looking into how can we get creative and really truly help the areas that keep people up at night, right? And it is some of these these things like I've mentioned. Well, it comes back to how we started this conversation. It's taking an empathetic approach to growth. It's putting people at the center of your thinking, but not just your thinking, putting people at the center of your doing, which is the best way to establish trust, which is through words and actions, what you say and and what you do. So it really does all come full circle. Staying here in the future just a, a bit longer as, as we start to wrap up, what do you think that we're going to see going forward? If you could just pull out the crystal ball, look ahead to the future uh, when it comes to financial services, banks, credit unions, innovations. What what are we going to see 2024 and beyond from your point of view right now? 
I think it's going to get more aggressive in terms of like you have to bring in you know the, this technology. We our customers are telling us that they're craving this personalization. It's not the same as, you know, oh, I bank where my parents bank and that's, I'm comfortable with that, right? We know that, you know, on average people have five different, you know, financial institutions that they're they're going with. And so we have to, like I mentioned, continue to be creative. Um, I don't think that that financial institutions are looking at an out-of-the-box solution. They're also not saying, hey, I'm going to buy all of my products from this one company and we're going to just make this work, right? They're, it's kind of like this Frankenstein approach. Ironically, I have Frankenstein book over here. Um, it's this Fra Frankenstein approach of how can I make these all fit together with what my customers truly need? And that is it. The foundation is, you know, customer experience um, and and making sure that we're delivering, you know, the products, the services, the things that they need. And that comes with being creative. You know, I like the Frankenstein analogy. Something else that popped into my head, too, um, is Legos. Um, yeah. I, I think about, you know, my kids, they've they have all we have four kids. They have all these different Lego sets. But what happens after they build it? it all just goes into the Lego box. And so the Lego box has every Lego except recently um, they've gotten into watching or rewatching the star Wars trilogy. So they've seen four five and six. They're now finished with one, two and three. And then they're about to watch seven, eight, nine completely out of order. But I said, maybe over the holiday break, what we can do is let's watch one through nine all in the same exact order. So they've been going through and building star Wars ships and whatnot, but it's interesting to watch their creativity and their curiosity and the breakthroughs that they're having through innovation, but also collaboration with each other. Like I can't find this piece and like, Oh, here it is. So it's just, it's interesting yeah. to watch that behavior at really a kind of just a, a microcosm, but that's so applicable to what we're all seeing within financial services going forward into the future. I always like to wrap up on a, on a practical takeaway. And we've talked about culture. We've talked about empathy. We've talked about innovation. What's the next best thing? If, if someone could, who's watching or listening could just do one thing next on their journey of growth to integrate a, a heart of growth into the work that they're doing, what would be the one recommendation you would say to do next? It's going to be two. Sorry, I like to break the rules, but like I'm going that. to say, listen and create a place of safety. Um, if you're listening to your teams, your peers, your leaders, you have a greater sense of, of empathy and understanding, and then you can create a place of safety for them. And um, creating a place of safety creates innovation. It allows for creativity and um, you know thinking outside the box. We're leaders and we're leaders because we are supposed to be, you know, um, showing a good example to our our employees, right? And so, um, creating that place of safety ourselves and that leadership is is critical and important. Absolutely, listen and create a, a place of safety. Very practical that any one of us can take forward and apply. Not tomorrow, but apply starting right now, today. Ashley, this has been a fantastic conversation for someone who is watching or someone who is listening. They would like to connect with you, continue the conversation that we've started here. What is the best way for them to reach out and say hello to you? 
Um, it's on LinkedIn. I'm Ashley Jenkins. It's A-S-H-L-I-E. Everybody always gets that wrong. So <laughs> make sure it's the I-E or um, on my email. You're welcome to reach out at me. Uh, reach out to me at Nimbus. It's ajenkins at nimbus.com. Happy to connect. Connect with Ashley. Learn with Ashley. Grow with Ashley. Ashley, thank you so much for your perspective uh, sharing today in this Heart of Growth uh, series. I appreciate you and what you're doing to inspire positive transformation so that we all can all get better together. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me, James Robert. Appreciate it. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and be the light. 